Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. If you want more information about Bethel Assembly, please go to our website, BethelAssembly.info. Thanks again. So um, as I began to kind of think about and pray about um, what I was going to speak to you guys today, I got to thinking about like the season that we're in. You know, we're past Christmas, and by the way, I hope everybody had a fantastic Christmas. I know we did. We got to spend, uh, spend some time in the land of Kentucky with some uh, wonderful family and some old friends, and we had a really, really good time. So it's always nice to, to get home and to see, you know, the mom and the dad and, and the grandparents and whatnot. So we had a good time. Uh, really, really enjoyed our time. But now we're back here. It's the 30th of December. We're kind of looking into 2019 and undoubtedly, um, everybody at least has it kind of in their mind or has already lined out some New Year's Eve re- uh, resolutions. Does anybody have any New Year's Eve resolutions? Not that many. Well, you guys are like me because I don't make New Year's resolutions. And here's why, because I don't feel like I'm disciplined enough to actually carry those out. But it seems like every year we get to this point where, where we're like, you know, we're coming into the new year. We want to do some things a little bit differently. So um, according to a recent poll completed on Statista.com, I just Googled it, believe it or not, uh, on the Internet, uh, here's a list of the most common New Year's resolutions, and I think they're going to display on the screen here for you. Uh, one is eat healthier. Everybody feel like they need to eat healthier, especially after the holidays. I ate so much food. It's amazing when you go home for the holidays. It's like they have this prepared and this prepared and your favorite this and your favorite that. So I am like I probably ate way too much for one person. It was amazing. Uh, Secondly, uh, get more exercise. Uh, That's important. Uh, Thirdly, save more money, right? Uh, Fourth, uh, focus on self-care, get more sleep, those kinds of things. And lastly, uh, some people feel like they have to read more. So that's the fifth on the list of most common New Year's resolutions. So these are all really, really good things to work out. Would you guys agree with me that, that these are like, these are noble things to, to feel like that you should try to strive for for 2019? So I have a question to ask you today. Um, so let's look, let's look five years, and let's look a year into the future. Let's look five years into the future. Let's look 10 years into the future. 10 years from now, five years from now, one year from now, whenever, will it matter if you kept to these, like if you, if you decided to eat healthier, if you decided to get more exercise, I would say, yeah, absolutely. It will make a difference. So, so let's go a little farther. Let's look, let's look 50 years. Let's look 100 years. Let's look 150 years. Let's look 500,000 years into the future when we step into eternity. Will these things matter? Not as much, I don't think. And here's what, here's what I'm trying to get at this morning. Let us not become so focused on today, or even 5, 10, 15 years down the road, that we forget to be eternally minded. It's like, I got this, this uh, Brian brought me a shoelace from home, because I forgot to get one. And anybody know what this is right here? Like the very end of a shoelace, can somebody, anybody know what that is? There's actually a word for this. Anybody? Somebody say aglet, right? Somebody say aglet. That's what this is. So now you know what the end of a shoelace is. It's, it's aglet. So if I was to imagine that this shoelace, like this aglet, is the here and the now. This is 70, 
80 years, however long that we have here on earth. And if I was to take the shoelace and pretend like it went on forever, I would begin to pull that shoelace and just pretend that it goes into infinity because that's what eternity does. So in light of eternity, our lives are very, 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 very short. But they have so much weight and carry so much significance into what's going to happen the rest of our existence, which is forever. So I want you to be thinking along those lines this morning. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So let's always choose to look at the bigger picture, guys. Let's not, let's not be so short-sighted that we forget the end game here. Like, if it doesn't matter on the day that you die, I say, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. We should be living for eternity. So with that in mind, uh, let's keep, let's keep the, those li- that five. Let's keep, the, let's keep our list, our New Year's resolution list. Let's keep that. But, but let's reprioritize how we view life and how we view things. Let's add a couple to the top that are, that are of spiritual nature. So with that, um, here we have two New Year's resolutions for the eternally minded. Number one, become a spiritual self-feeder. Would you guys agree that if you become a spiritual self-feeder, that that's going to matter in eternity? I say absolutely. Absolutely, Yes. So, so we are by nature consumers, right? We, we have to eat. There's an old um, uh, fast food chain slogan that basically all, the slogan was, you got to eat. And that's the, that's the case, that everybody has to eat because we eat so that we can have the calories necessary to sustain life, so that we can think, so that we can talk, so that we can move. We need energy. Well, uh, here's the deal, though. We are actually, believe it or not, we're two sides of a coin, just as we have a, a physical nature, we also equally have a spiritual nature too. So wouldn't it make sense that we need to eat physically, but we also need to make sure that we're feeding ourselves spiritually, that we need a daily diet of God's Word. And that is so, so true. And so what, what I'm really talking about here is I'm talking about our daily walk with God. I'm talking about our devotional life. I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about reading God's Word. I'm talking about even fasting. And I know coming out of the holiday season, nobody's really thinking about fasting. But it's a part, it's, it's a discipline of our faith. Prayer, reading God's Word, fasting, these three things. And, you know, if you ask, if you ask any, any common, you know, run-of-the-mill Christian, what are some disciplines of the faith? They'll be able to tell you exactly what those disciplines are. But, unfortunately, far too few of us actually carry those disciplines out on a daily basis. It's like we're spiritually starved and we think that we can just come here like, like an hour and 15, hour and 30 minutes on a Sunday and then that's supposed to get us till the next Sunday. No, we're meant to have a daily diet of God's Word. It's, it's so, so important. First uh, Peter chapter 2, 2 and 3, it says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted 
that the Lord is good. And another scripture that comes to mind is in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus is uh, tempted in the desert, and uh, he's hungry. He hasn't eaten for so long. And uh, he says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by the very word of God. And that is so, so true that, you know, we're really good at eating bread, and I love bread. Believe me, bread is one of my favorite things. But we also need to make sure that we're consuming a daily diet of God's Word. That's so important. We're, we're physical beings, but we're also 100%, we're 100% physical. We're also 100% spiritual beings. So here's some questions you may be asking this morning. How do I know if I'm, a, if I'm spiritually alive or dead? And I'll say to you, check your pulse. If you're, if you're dead, then you won't have an, a, a pulse. What's your, what's your daily devotional life like? Are, are you spending time alone with God? Are you hungry for more of God? If, if you're alive, then you're going to know it. You're going to have a pulse. If you're spiritually dead or dying, you're not going to have a pulse, and you're not going to be aware of the things of God. Appetite, loss of appetite for the things of God. If you're not, if you're not hungry for more of God's Word, if, if you don't crave that, like, like if you don't crave feeding on God's Word, then you're, you're probably either dying or you're dead spiritually. Some hard truths, but it's, it's always good to, to, to take note and, and to, to kind of try to become self-aware of where you are spiritually. Like, are you thriving or are you just barely getting by? How much time do I need? That's another question. And I'll answer that question with this. As much time as it takes. I'm not going to put a number on it because I don't think a number should be put on it. And me and Pastor Ryan were talking about this just a couple weeks ago. Like, what if, what if instead of saying, oh, I've got to do 15 minutes and then check that off of my, of my list, what if we spent time with God until we were full? It's like we don't get up from the dinner table until, until what? Until we're full, right? What if we didn't get up from God's table until we were full? Don't you think that if we did that, it would have an impact. It would overflow into the world around us. Like, it would really, really make a difference, I think, if we, if we stopped being half full, right? My daughter, she's amazing, uh, my oldest daughter, but she's a picky eater, and we have, to, we have to, like, work with her and make sure that she's eating enough food. And I think that's how a lot of us are, you know, in life. It's like, we don't, we don't eat enough, and then we want to get up from the dinner table and do other things. Instead of eating until we're full. Now, my, my youngest daughter, Evelyn, I'm so proud of her because she's a little bit more like me, okay? She will eat and eat and eat and eat until she's full, and then an hour or two later, guess what? She's got food in her hand. She's found something that Daddy had, which last night, you know, I was eating, and she, I want some of that. So it's like she always has food in her mouth, and she's always eating, and uh, yeah, she, she's definitely our eater, but, but uh, Eliora, we have to work with her. It's like, no, you got to sit there at the dinner table until you eat like four or five more bites until I say that you're ready to get up from the dinner table. So don't be like Eliora, okay? Be like Evelyn, okay? Eat a lot, not physically but spiritually, and you'll do, you'll do well. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, 8, for physical training is some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So basically that's saying right there that physical training 
you know, uh, exercise, eating right, those kinds of things are good. They're good for this season. It's, it's, it's important that we take care of our physical shell. But godliness, the things of the spirit, the things of spiritual nature, it has promise and it has value for both now and then also into eternity as well. You've got to think about that and think, think eternally this morning. Think, think long game. Think eternally minded. You know, we often say, I need to take, make time with God. And I've, uh, I've heard it said uh, that this is true, that it's, it's actually God's time. Like, we're actually on borrowed time. God has apportioned us so many days. So it's God's time. And we are the ones that are actually borrowing it for other things. That are not, that are not, they don't have any lasting eternal value. So, number one is become a spiritual self-feeder. This, is, this should not be the only place that we feed ourselves. If this is the only place that we feed ourselves, then we, we're not getting enough. We're not getting enough nourishment. We need a daily portion. We need a daily diet of God's Word. Number two, level up on evangelism. And this is really where, uh, gosh, God has been, like, dealing with me on this, like, a bunch the last three or four weeks because this is, this is, this is the point right here where, where I don't feel like I've stepped out enough and have done enough. Level up on evangelism. So at the end of the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, we find undoubtedly like the single, like the single most important command of Jesus to his followers. And it, you'll, you probably know it by the Great Commission. And it says this, uh, Matthew 18, 18 through 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the ends of the age. So let's look at that, that, first, that first portion. We're actually going to break this passage down a little bit this morning because I like to break passages down and just kind of see what each of the pieces mean. First thing that he says is all authority in heaven is, and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus is basically saying, hey, as you go, as you go out, I have all authority. I have all the power. And that's something that we need to remember as we go out you know, about our daily lives is that Jesus is in control. God is in control. He's sovereign. He's on the throne. Secondly, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And I want to focus on um, things here that Jesus did not say, and maybe these are a little too pointed, but maybe they're not. Things that Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say, just stay where you are. Someone else is going to go for me. And I know we, we are big on missions here, and I love that we are, and it's fantastic that we have missionaries that we support. But just as they have their own mission field there, we have our own mission field right here at home, okay? That's so, so important. Jesus is sending those missionaries, but he's also sending you. He's also sending you. He's also sending you. Like we have our own personal spheres of influence. Jesus didn't say go only if you feel like it. Jesus, and this, one, this, this next one is actually for me. That's why I put it in there. Uh, Jesus didn't say go only if you aren't afraid to go. And let me tell you what, I, believe it or not, 
maybe you, you know this about me, maybe you don't, but I am a lot more introverted than I am extroverted. And for many years, I have lived under the shelter of timidity, under the shelter of fear, under the shelter of being afraid to step out and say something for whatever reason. And, you know, God has really been dealing with me on that here recently. And it's like, is it not, is it not important enough that I step outside of that and go and tell somebody about Jesus? Jesus didn't say go only if you aren't afraid to go. Jesus didn't say do nothing and hope one day they'll step through the doors of a church and they'll hear the gospel and get saved. Listen, most people out there will never step foot in here. And we can invite, and that's important. I encourage you, please, invite your friends, your, your, your neighbors, your family. Invite them to church. That's important because they need to at least get it somewhere. But if that's all we do, we're missing out. We're missing out on, on the go and tell, okay? It's like for, forever, and I've had conversations with people about this. Like in a lot of churches today, it's like there's this, this, come, and, you know, this, this, this come and see mentality. Come and see what we have to offer. And that's great. But if we don't pair that with the go and the tell, we're missing out on half, and we're missing out on the go that Jesus commanded us to do. So let's took let's take a look. Um, let's take a look at the word go here. All authority has been on all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, I love my fire Bible. It has really really good study notes. So if you don't have a fire Bible. Shameless plug, get you a fire Bible. It has really, really good study notes. Uh, it's fantastic. I love it. But uh, my fire Bible notes say that the word he, go here is actually best translated like as you go, like as you go about your day. That means like as you go to Walmart, as you go to Buffalo Wild Wings, which we like to go on Tuesdays because they have a buy one, get one, and that's really economical for my family. And we love our Buffalo Wild Wings. So as you go to Buffalo Wild Wings, as you go to work, as you go next door to your neighbor to borrow some butter or some eggs or whatever it may be, as you go, make disciples. And we should be prepared, we should be alert, we should be ready to share the gospel wherever we go by the power and by the, by the, by the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's very, very important that we should be prepared at all times. The Bible talks about being ready in season and out of season. So this is fantastic, and um, I love my oldest daughter. I just want to say that. She makes, she makes her parents really proud. Actually, both of my kids do. I love them to death. They're amazing. Um, but my oldest, we were at Walmart just a couple weeks ago getting stuff. I think we were getting stuff um, for the trip, you know, like buying the snacks and stuff to get ready to go on this long, arduous uh, six-and-a-half-hour drive to Kentucky. And, uh, we're, you know, we're checking out, you know, we're putting, uh, putting stuff, they're putting stuff in bags, I'm putting the bags in the cart, and there's a commotion behind me, and there was a guy, uh, an older guy, uh, kind of scruffy looking, uh, probably in his 50s or so, um, and he, ba he said that, that Eliora just, just walked up to him, and this is what she said. She said, and I quote, did you know Jesus is real, and when we die, we can be with him in heaven, like just straight up. She's so direct, and it's amazing. And I'm like, wow, we got to be doing at least something right, you know? It's like there's no manual on, on uh, how to raise a kid, but I, I had a proud parent moment uh, at that moment because it's like, wow, at least, at least she's hearing us, you know, when we tell her about Jesus and whatnot. The guy was just so amazed. He said, this is probably the youngest, 
person that's ever witnessed to me. And luckily, you know, or, or whatnot, he was, uh, he, he was already saved. He was already Christian. But he was just so amazed by that. And I was like, wow. If a four-year-old can tell somebody about Jesus, then really what's, what's my excuse? What's our excuse, right? So let's take, take a look at the rest of uh, verses 19 and 20. Let's, let's, let's kind of hone in on the word disciples. You notice that Jesus said, go and make disciples. So basically what that means is that we need to be prepared to move beyond the initial point of salvation to actually disciple that person into deeper maturity. The problem is, is that a person can't really truly be discipled unless they first have a relationship with Jesus. But Jesus here is saying, first, you need to, to tell them about me. You need to get them saved. But then after that, there needs to be an ongoing discipling. So Jesus always, you notice in Scripture that Jesus is always taking it a little bit further. And that's what he's doing here. And you want to know how the kingdom of God grows. It's the, this is how the kingdom of God grows, that we as disciples of, of Jesus should be making disciples who are then making more disciples who are then making more disciples who are then making more disciples and that's how the kingdom of god grows but if we don't step out and make that first step of introducing them to jesus we can't disciple them and that that is where the chain breaks and we we need to be about making the kingdom of god grow and lastly um, and surely i'm with you always to the ends of the age and here is like the encouraging part for me, and I would say the encouraging part for you guys this morning, is that Jesus promises to be with us. So you'll, so you'll notice that like in this passage, he has two really amazing statements. He sandwiches that, this command between, I have all authority, go, and then, guess what? I'm going to be with you. So we have Jesus with us that has all authority, and he's going with us as we go. And that is so, so, to me it's encouraging. It's like we have the Holy Spirit inside of us helping us along in this process. So I finished reading this book, and um, man, I was so convicted by this book. Um, Mark Cahill, um, one thing you can't do in heaven is evangelize. It's a, it's a, he's, a, he's a street evangelist, so he, you know, he goes and he passes out tracts and stuff at the mall and, and has conversations with Jesus. He's got all kinds of different methods and stuff here, you know, talking about you know, not only relational evangelism, which is like, like your neighbor or, or your friend or whatever, but also just like street evangelism, like walking up to people um, and just talking to them about Jesus. And I was so convicted by this book. Uh, page 20, he says, Jesus says in Luke 12, 12, the Holy Spirit will teach you in that hour what you ought to say. The Holy Spirit is very faithful to take us to all the way through a conversation and to give us plenty of things to say. All we must do is get in that very hour. Let the Lord take you into those opportunities and he will show you how faithful he really is. Acts 1.8, kind of mimicking that. Jesus says that you will receive power and that word power is, is from the word dunamis. It's dynamite, it's dynamic, it's explosive. You will receive power, you, re you will receive enabling when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now bear with me here because I feel like that a lot of us don't understand the context, okay? We don't understand it because, you know, we're not in Jerusalem, we're not in Judea, we're not in to Samaria. So the purpose, for the purpose of context, let me just kind of, um, let me kind of interpret 
this passage like this to you this morning. Jesus is saying to us here, Bethel Assembly, on December 30th, he's saying this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Sedalia, and in all Pettis County, and in Saline County, Cooper County, Morgan County, Benton County, Henry County, Johnson County, Lafayette Counties, and to the ends of the earth. So here we have Sedalia, we have Pettis County, all the surrounding counties. That's our sphere of influence. That's what Jesus is saying that we have an obligation to reach. And then he says to the ends of the earth, we go on mission trips. We do that regularly. We, we send support for missionaries. That's important. But if we miss the Sedalia, if we miss the Pettis County, then we have totally missed out on what Jesus is saying here. So God gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us to witness. And, you know, it's the Holy Spirit's job to speak through us. It's our job as Christians to make that first step and to simply uh, be the vessel from which God speaks. 2 Corinthians 5.14 talks about, like, the, this, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 talks about, like, that God gave us this ministry of reconciliation, this, this, uh, this mission of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation. Uh, and, but, but before that, it says that Christ's love compels us, and this is the, probably the most important part of this whole evangelism piece is that God loves broken, lost people. He does. And it's because of that love that it should compel us to have this ministry of reconciliation. That because God loves people who are broken and hurting, and guess what? That's us too. Like we're all in this same boat together. We're not, it's not us and them. It's us together collectively. We're all by nature sinful beings and we've, we mess up, and we mess up because we're sinners by nature. We do that. We're all in this together, and the love of God should compel us to go to our neighbor, should go to that person at Walmart that we see and have a conversation with them that will change their eternal destination. For God so loved the world, and here's my question, do we share the heart of God for the world enough to tell them about Jesus? some thoughts on evangelism, um, making good time, that's good. Uh, stop being busy, number one. Let's not be so busy being busy that we are too busy to grow the kingdom of God. It's like we have this to do and this to do, this to do, this to do, and once again, we're not eternally minded. We're not thinking about eternal things because we're thinking on the here and now. How do I survive? How do I pay the bills? How do I take Johnny to soccer practice or whatever it may be? And those are all things that we do but we need to have eternal, we have to have an eternal mindset this morning. Oswald J. Smith said this, Oh, my friends, we're loaded down with countless church activities, and I'll say even other activities, while the real work of the church, that of evangelizing the world and winning the lost, is almost entirely neglected. Number two, plant seed and harvest crop. Read you the, I'm going to read you the parable of, of uh, the sower this morning real quickly. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came in and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on the good soil where it produced a crop 
hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So in this parable, like, we're the farmers. We're, Jesus is talking about us as the farmers or as, as you know, it's our job to, to scatter seed, to take the message to the world. And notice what the farmer does here. The farmer doesn't try to determine what, what's good soil and what's not good soil. You see that? He, he basically, he's out there and he's throwing seed out wherever he can. Like he's doing it so liberally and not conservatively. Like he throws it. And that's, that's our job too as Christians to sow seed. So you may be thinking this morning, you know, I'm just a normal person. I can't save anybody. I don't, I don't have the ability to make the seed grow. And you're right. You're absolutely right. Guess what? It's not our job to make that seed grow this morning. It's God that gives the increase. It's God that gives the increase. Our job, we have, we have two things that we do and two things that, that, that farmers do. Farmers plant seed. Farmers harvest crop. God always makes that thing grow. So this morning, take that burden off your shoulders. You can't save anybody. God does that. The Holy Spirit does that. But we need to do our part. We need to plant seed. We need to, to be prepared to harvest. Because somebody, whoever you talk to, they're going to be either in these two, two, two modes. They're going to be where you're either scattering seed or somebody else has already scattered seed. And you come along and you just help gather in the harvest. And Jesus, when he looked out among the people, guess, you remember what he said? When he looked out among the people, he said, the harvest is ripe. Pray for God to send laborers into the field to gather that harvest. And that's my prayer for us this morning, that, that, that we would be those laborers that go out into the field and that we would gather a harvest this morning for the kingdom. Be prepared. Bible says in 2 Timothy 4.2 that we should be prepared in season and out of season. So be alert. Like, try to consciously think about being alert and, and, and try to, to see everything through a spiritual lens. Learn to go beyond like the casualties of just the hellos. Learn to ask questions that lead to spiritual conversations that could change their life and their eternal destination. And this one was also for me. Don't be afraid. You know, one of the things that Satan uses to keep people from sharing the gospel is the fear of rejection, right? That's kind of what's on everybody's mind. Oh, they're going to reject me. 2 Timothy 1, 7 through 8. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So, like, I pray this scripture over myself all the time. I prayed it over me this morning as I was about to get up here. God, you've not given me a spirit of fear. You've given me a spirit of love, power. You've given a sound mind. That's another, that's another um, uh, interpretation, but it's the same scripture. Uh, my question to you is this. If they reject you, so what? It's not our job to worry about that. If they're rejecting you, then that means they're rejecting the message of Jesus. But you have to trust that even if they reject you, guess what? You're still that farmer. You're still sowing that seed that God is going to start uh, to provide water to, to provide sun to, to build that thing up, and then someone else is going to come along and produce a harvest. Are we going to be people of reason, reasonable risk? Are we going to be people of reckless abandon for God? 
And in light of eternity, I would say that we should live our lives in reckless abandon for the gospel of Jesus. Two more here. Be equipped. Another thing that people might say regarding evangelism is this. I don't know how. Like, I'm not equipped to evangelize. And in this book, Mark Cahill says, well, that's not true because somebody's shared the gospel with you, so you know the gospel enough to share it with someone else. It's like my four-year-old daughter. She doesn't have a plethora of knowledge regarding Scripture. She doesn't. But she knows Jesus, and she knows the basic principles. And that's, that really, that's the gospel. We, we try to make it too complex, or the enemy thinks that we have to make it too complex. But that's not true. Make it simple. Jesus died for you. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. Um, so, you know, with all this going on, uh, God dealing with me on, on evangelism and outreach and, and whatnot, I decided to change. And this is, yes, this is going to be a shameless plug for my life group. So I just want to throw that out there in advance. Yes, this is a shameless plug for my life group. Um, we have plenty of room if you want to join us and you don't, you're already signed up. And I, I do 100% believe that everybody should be connected in a life group because that is where you are discipled. It's important. But I've changed my life group uh, to, to the study that we're doing. It was going to be on Colossians, and I love Colossians. I'll probably do Colossians later. Uh, but my life group is now going to be studying bold. Ignite your heart for a broken world. The goal of the study is to help every believer be unashamed in reflecting the limitless love of God to people who don't know Jesus. And most importantly, and I'll ask the band to come on up. Start today. Do something. Because if we don't do something, then we'll never do anything. And if you don't make small steps today, then you won't be able to make larger, bigger steps later on. Start today. Do something. And here's my challenge for the week. Begin to pray for God to give you his heart for the lost. That's number one. That's my challenge to you. Pray that every day. God, give me a heart for the lost. Give me your eyes. Give me your eyes this morning. Begin to pray daily for people you know who don't know Jesus. Show of hands. Who this morning knows somebody that they know does not know Jesus? should be everybody, I would say. I know people who don't know Jesus. And I pray for them every day, and I pray that God gives me opportunities, and I pray that God gives me a boldness to share Jesus with them. And I pray that God gives me the ability to change that normal, hello, how you doing conversation into a spiritual conversation that could change their life, that could change their eternal destination. Be bold. Be bold. Share the gospel. I dare you this, this week. I double dog dare you to share the gospel with one person this week. Do it. I dare you. See what God will do. I dare you. Be bold. Share the gospel. So we're going to pray. And actually, let's pray right now. Father, I love you. I bless you this morning. God, I pray that your word did not fall on deaf ears this morning, even though maybe it was a heavy message, even though it had some pointed things in it. God, I pray 
that, that you would just give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, God, and to think eternally this morning. God, help us to be self-feeders, to consume your word. God, help us to overflow into those around us, God, and give us, give us your heart for lost people, God. Give us your heart for broken, hurting people. Help us to be your hands and your feet, God. If we're the body of Christ this morning, God, help us to go. Help us to send Jesus to the world this morning. I bless you. I thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name.